Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Runner's World podcast. Each month we'll be bringing you the latest training advice, news, interviews, mediocre banter, <laughs> etc. from across the running world. I'm Rick Pearson, uh, the Runner's World section editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the digital editor. So ben, tell us what we've got coming up uh, on this episode. This month we're speaking with rapper and runner Max Owen and we'll be catching up with Scott Cunliffe, a Burnley fan who's running to every one of his team's away games what? this season. That's amazing, isn't it? It's ludicrous. Yeah. And we're talking to obstacle racer John Alban, who's going to tell us how he sadly almost won $1 million. Oh, oh John. Poor old John, eh? Oh, it sounds like a great show. So what else, Ben, have you been up to this month? Again, you and me are just inseparable. <laughs> we do this. Yeah. And we go running. That's true. It's true. Um, I've just been doing lots of, like, I think people would probably call them junk miles. Okay. But I don't. I like them. They're nice miles. Mm. I've been doing like about five miles every every day. Yeah. Every other day. Some like nine minute miles and some with you, which are far too fast and <laughs> makes me feel a bit sick. Um, and that's about it, really. But you, uh, but you enjoy that. Yeah, I'm that loving running. it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not like... I'm, I'm, so I'm probably doing a half marathon in February. Yeah. So I've got to think about that in a, in a, in a serious manner yeah. and do some training. But um, yeah. I'm kind of just, I'm just sort of entering into the festive period. Yeah. With some sort of nice running. I think that's good. I think yeah. that's good. What about you? Well, Ben, um, I've signed myself oh, and surprise you up for the Escape from GB right. race at the end of May. So let me tell you what this is. This is uh, oh, an interesting God. race format. We right. also do an event called Escape from Meriden, which is the centre point of England. Yep. Escape from GB is the centre point of uh, Great Britain. Yep. And the, the format is runners have uh, 24 or 48 hours, in mm-hmm. our case, to run as far away from the start point as possible. So five, five miles, right? So, well, <laughs> so you can do your junk miles. Yeah. Maybe a few more than five. And there right. are various prizes okay. uh, for, for teams. So we've got Bonnie and Clyde. Good. That's the pair who escaped the furthest distance. Okay. Then we've got Highlander. There can be only one. <laughs> right. The pair who travel the furthest distance north. Yep. So okay. if we want to go into Scotland, for instance. Or Islander. Which is the pair who escape the furthest distance when part of the journey is by sea, which right. sounds pretty good. That does. So I want you to think of it as a kind of early Christmas present from, from me to you. This is the Runner's World Podcast. What length would you go to support your football team? Watch them on TV? Go to every home game? How about running to every away game? That's what our next guest, Scott Cunliffe, is doing. In the process, he's hoping to raise £10,000 for a range of community charities. Scott, I understand you're on your way to a game right now. Is that right? Yeah, I'm on the way to Spurs at Wembley. Uh, <laughs> about about three days in now, four days in almost. So, so where, uh, where are you right now then? Uh, I'm near Kegworth, so near East Midlands uh, Airport. So I'm on the uh, the towpath or the of uh, the River Soar heading towards Loughborough <laughs> and Leicester for for this evening. I think Scott, even the most impassioned football fan, would question why are you doing this. Well, uh, I've, I've been running for about ten years now, so about ten years old and following Burnley all my life. Uh, I'm in my forties. So I wanted to sort of get away, I think, a bit from racing and doing some more adventure running. Uh, and I've worked for charities all my life, so I wanted to do some fundraising over a sustained period of time. So I came up with this runaway challenge of running to every Burnley away game. And I've been um, living abroad for most of my adult life and working abroad. So it's a kind of a project of rediscovering Britain <laughs> at a time where Britain's in flux. It's, uh, it's, it's a great time for me to... Rediscover my homeland and uh, see some of the nice uh, 
running paths and trails uh, up and down the country. So yeah, it's it's fantastic so far. Great. Um, sorry, Ben. What? Yeah, I was going to say, have you heard, what's what's been the highlight for you so far, location wise? What on and which, and which game as well? <laughs> oh, don't ask you about the games. It's, it's <laughs> difficult to pick an highlight so far this season. It's not going great for Burnley. Uh, so. Yeah, I guess the first run to Southampton, which was one of the longest ones I've got to do, uh, was just the voyage of discovery, really. I, I had no idea. I'd never really done or run multiple days back-to-back uh, like that. And discovering the geography of Britain from almost you know the far north to the south, um, just seeing the lay of the land and just learning so much about the routes and which, which way to go. So I think that first one really like was was just open my eyes to, to what I was the, the sort of, uh, I don't know, the, the scale of the undertaking yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. that I got myself into, yeah. What's the reaction been like, Scott, from, from other fans, from Burnley, from the people that you've met? Oh, it's been brilliant so far. I think one of the things I wanted to underline by doing this is that football is probably a bigger force for unity than it is for division. And, mm. and a lot of people and probably the press would disagree with me with that. But uh, up and down the country, I've been treated really nicely. And, and it, it's just like a normal away day. You always have banter and you always meet uh, local fans and, and get along before and after the game, uh, no matter what the result is. So, you know, it's um, I think it's just underlined that really strongly for me. And uh, the clubs have been great as, as well as sort of Burnley Football Club being fantastic in supporting me in doing this. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a, a really real joy so far. That's great. I think um, there is a there is a, a, a sort of a, a greater good that's coming from this task, and the fact that you're you're doing this to raise money for charities. Um, what, what was why why charities, and, and what particular charities are you working with? Well, I wanted to sort of spread the love around the country a little bit, and so I, I've set a target of, well, initial target of £10,000, and I'm, I'm almost up to that so far. Uh, but I wanted to give something to um, to sort of disabled people and, to do, and a lot to do with mental health as well, linked to the football clubs, because I think the, the football clubs are a, a great springboard now for reaching out into their own communities, and they all have decent charitable foundations um, so I'm giving 50% of it to charitable foundations in Burnley and the rest to the um, charitable foundations linked to all the other 19 Premier League uh, clubs you, you mentioned mental health there Scott I know that um, when you came back from all the charity work you did in, in South East Asia you, you struggled with your own uh, mental health can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the role that running has helped um, has, has played in helping you to deal with that yeah, for sure, yeah. It, I'd worked in conflict areas and conflict zones, working for charities and for the United Nations in uh, in some pretty tricky situations. So I think after 15, 20 years, that kind of got the better of me and uh, dealing with human rights cases and issues uh, for a prolonged period of time really set in. And I think I made a decision about two years ago to get out of the uh, get out of the full-time, full-time work and sort of mm. spend a bit more time outdoors. Mm. Uh, and really making the connection to nature, I think, was... Uh, you know, spending quite a bit of time on my own, but really connecting to the earth again, and uh, through running that, just uh, you know, that just sparked a, a kind of um, a magic for me. Uh, so I, I'm quite lucky now that I spend a lot of days uh, doing making that connection. You yeah. know, sort of um, outdoors and 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 running, and uh, you know, not pushing the pace, but just enjoying the, the surroundings really. And it's it's a real fresh, really freshing up for the mind. And uh, yeah, I'm a massive advocate for that. You know, and, and I think it's been really well documented these days but it's 
and it's easier said than done, really, even though there is enough media on it now and uh, mm. enough attention to mental health issues. Uh, speaking out about it is, for me, has been a big thing, you know, and I think to actually talking about your problems, not actually to the media or to the public like we are doing now, but just yeah. in, in amongst your circle of friends and people you trust. If you, once you start talking about it, you're, you know, you're opening up a massive door to, to uh, overcoming it or at least coping with it in a, in, a, in a good way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's, it's a great part of, of what you're doing there because it real heart and soul what, your, um, what your challenge is about. I've heard rumours that to save weight, you're doing things such as cutting your toothbrush <laughs> in, in half. Is, is this right? And I'm interested in, in kind of what you're taking with you on these mammoth runs to football yeah. games. Yeah, with the seasons changing and uh, it's the the logistics have changed for me. You know, the first run that I did was unsupported on my own and carrying all my stuff, but that was summer, so I needed a lot more water. Mm. And now it's kind of the temperatures dropped, um, and I'm no longer taking a support vehicle. I used to have a camper van for a couple of the runs because it's a bit cold at night, so I'm dipping in and out of hotels and B and Bs now. Uh, so I'm about 11 stone sort of in my undies and then about 12 <laughs> stone with my pack on. Okay. Um, right. So it's, you know, this week I'm thinking, you know, you're watching the weather every morning and I'm thinking, oh, there's not going to be any rain and I'm carrying my waterproofs. So I'm thinking, oh, should I just dump them? But then you've got to buy more at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Or I could send them home or something. So, yeah, just, just certain things like, yeah, the toothbrush got chopped in half. I don't carry any soap because there's soap in the hotels. Um, I only carry, carry a minimal amount of my... Uh, secret training carbohydrate and gels um so i keep keep everything to a minimum and then top up every every morning uh but yeah you you really do think i don't really need two hats you know it's just like one buff and and that's probably enough uh and i have a spare a spare set of clothes for the evening yeah and everything everything dries off on the radiator in the hotels and uh you're pretty much ready to go and it's running shoes i've got one pair of running shoes so the last i'm on the riverbank now it's a bit slippy and i'm pretty much in road shoes <laughs> right but i'm thinking you know, I don't hurt, I don't need to tear recklessly along trails like I would do in a race. So I'll slow down where the mud is and, and the, the extra cushioning on the road shoes is good when I do actually hit a hard surface. Uh, but it's that kind of toss-up. Do I bring a trail shoe or a road shoe? And and then it's like, do I want a grippy lower um, and and quite a hard upper? And I don't need a hard upper because that, that bangers against my toes and you know yeah, right, yeah. all, I already know toll nails as you can probably <laughs> yeah I can imagine they, they went a while ago yeah yeah they're, <laughs> they're gone and so but it's those kind of decisions that after a while the experience now of doing eight to nine of these runs it's kind of yeah it's um, I've got a lot less to worry about now yeah whereas right. at first it was and I think that's the key to it really just not overthinking things uh, but that comes normal normally with experience here so there were a lot of things on the first trip that I was like, oh, do I need this? Do I need this? And I was like over overpacked. And yeah, I yeah. Had some trail, I had some poles with me, and yeah, it was just really cumbersome and really slow. So my speed, I'm not going for speed. I, my only speed target is to get to the game on time. Get to the game on time. Sorry. So, but I am slowly getting a bit faster um, as as I get a bit stronger. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's it's a big learning curve yeah, every bet. time, and the weather changes. So, have you had any other fans join you at any point? Has anyone said to you like this is a great idea and thought that they wanted to have a go as well? Yeah, it's, I mean it's been amazing. I haven't got like hundreds of people running with me, but I've had a few, Gump, a few, you've said, few you've of my mates. Around. Yeah, but I've I've had a few of my mates who were sort of couched to five k about three months ago, and now one of them just ran his first. Uh, 
one of them ran his first marathon with me to this game at City. Uh, mm-hmm. And then another one is about to do his first marathon when we run to uh, Huddersfield uh, in New Year. And then I've got another mate who's... Um, I mean, he, he was, he's lost about five, six stone and he's wow. kind of getting up to the stage where he's going to be able to run a marathon at some point. And none of them have actually ever been in a race or done anything like this. So, um, and they're spurring me on, you know, so it's, it's working, working quite nicely and we've all got little mental health issues going on. So it's kind of a nice little club, really. Yeah, um, and I wanted that to, to be an outcome of what was going on, but I, you just don't really know in what shape or form that's going to be. And I've got a few friends that are going to, uh, other fans, sorry, that are going to run with me, um, chatting with some Arsenal fans who are going to join in um, the last bit of run to Arsenal in, in about 10 days from now. So, yeah, that's all quite quite exciting, really. Yeah, well, you've got a very busy December, Scott, haven't you? Because I know part of your challenge is you have to start from Turf Moor, Burnley's home ground. So you're running yeah. down to, to Wembley, Spurs' home ground, and then... The Arsenal game is the next away game, which is probably less than ten miles away. But you've got to go back to Burnley and start <laughs> again, which you must be yeah. you must be annoyed at yourself for uh, for having that stipulation in your in your plans. Yeah, it's real capital punishment for the Premier League <laughs> or whoever makes the fixtures. Yeah, so so yeah, but and I did consider like, oh, can I not just run around the M25 for for a couple of hundred miles and yeah. save having to go up north? Uh, but really, yeah, that's the challenge I set. So. Um, like it is I, I watched the game on this coming Saturday at Wembley and then back on the coach up to Berlin and the Sunday morning I set off running again so that's the, the second double header but the first one which is really like 200 in, in two weeks is uh, it's 450 miles it's uh, we'll see and the, the second week's a bit shorter so I've, I've only really got six days so I'm going to have to really up my mileage a bit next week Um so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really tough when I get to the middle of next week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to do the same route. Yeah, the same route as it's. Uh, you know, when I set off doing all this, I thought oh, I'm going to do a different route every time, discover new places. But now it's becoming a bit more sensible to stick to the routes you know, um, especially for this one because uh, just the accommodation. I know where the hotels are or the B and B's right on the route. I know where the shops are. So for planning, picking up, or whether I need to pick up, pick up some uh, water or some hot cross buns, which I like to eat, uh, I kind of know where where to get everything. So it's just it's just um, risk, you know, no risk at all on, for that second run to to Arsenal. Yeah. 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 Uh, by the end of the season, Scott, have you got any idea how many miles you might have covered? Because I'm, I'm assuming it's you know tens of thousands. Uh, yeah, it's the the rough estimation of it was about 3,000 miles total. Um, it's about 225, 230 miles to London. And there's seven London games and there's wow. three on the south coast. So <laughs> they're about 250 miles. So, so far, I think actually this morning, I just went past the 1,500 mile mark. Um, so the sun was shining and <laughs> almost, almost got a tan I think this morning <laughs> December, and uh, I thought that's a good sign the future's bright so I think I've just gone over 1500 miles um, that's amazing so I'm quite happy to make it so, so yeah. far yeah do you um can you still enjoy the games when you get there or you, like have you had, have you had to sprint to the start have you had to sort of <laughs> sprint to the kickoff have you are you ever sort of like running that late or are you sort of do you manage well, to get ask, yeah if you ask me do, do I almost fall asleep during the game? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a reflection on the running or the football. But, but uh, it's, yeah, 
I mean, yeah, I, I always aim, if it's a London game, I always aim to get there usually Friday night so that I can actually enjoy a match day and maybe maybe save a shorter segment of 10 miles for the, for the Saturday morning before the game. Um, I did, I've never run a 100 miler before, so the opportunity came to run 100 miler to Wolves. It was about 104, 105 miles from Burnley to Wolves. So I was really tight that game. I set off on, the game was Sunday, I set off sort of midnight Friday night so it was a really touch and go whether I'd get there um, and I had a camper van and in the end I got about six or seven hours sleep I needed it on Saturday night um, and just about made it I was about an hour and 15 minutes before the kickoff. Wow. Um <laughs> so yeah that was that was quite a fine I mean there was uh, that was that was really tough. So I still haven't really done a hundred mile without stopping. So <laughs> that's that's a whole season, I think. Yeah, well, there's plenty of time. Got there's plenty of opportunity, and you're challenged to have another go. <laughs> yeah, there is. They're, they're almost like Liverpool's the two games in Merseyside. They're not quite a hundred miles, but on the canal, it's about seventy-five. Okay, seventy-five miles from Burnley. So yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and where are you hoping to get to tonight, Scott? Where, where, where's your day ending today? Uh, Leicester, yeah, centre of Leicester. Pretty much my route to London goes uh, Burnley, Rochdale, Rochdale, Buxton, Buxton, Derby, Derby, Leicester, Leicester, Northampton, Northampton, Leighton, Buzzard, Leighton, Buzzard. There's some some good looking places in that list. You must be seeing some really, like, some nice parts of the country. Oh, there's some there's some great beers as well, you know. Oh. I always have a beer or two. Well, if anyone sees a very tired man in Leicester this evening, <laughs> he looks yeah. like he's he's done a lot of running. Yeah. Maybe get him a beer. Yeah, well, I know where all the pubs are now. Yeah, for sure. So okay. it's, uh, it's a good way of uh, refueling and uh, <laughs> hydrating. If anyone wants to find out, Scott, a bit more about um, your challenge or, or donate to to the variety of worthy causes that you're raising money for, what, where can they go? The best place is to go to Twitter or to Instagram, and it's quite simple. My handle is at S-E-K-O-T-T, and from there you can go on to the Just Giving page, which is the Runaway Challenge, um, and then link to my Facebook page, etc. So S-E-K-O-T-T on Instagram and Twitter. I, I do daily updates on there. Brilliant. Oh, right. Well, thank you very, very much, Scott, for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to uh, to talk to us for Runners World. It was absolutely amazing what you're doing, and I think it's very inspiring. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dramatically you. impressed. And also, I sort of live fairly near Tottenham and Arsenal, so if I, you know, if I'm out for a trot and I see you, I'll give you a wave. <laughs> <laughs> you can join me for the last bit. Yeah, all right, perfect. We'll sort yeah. that out. Yeah, all right, fine, yeah. good. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers mate. You. Good luck. Thank Thanks. You Bye. Bye. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Such an amazing bloke and an amazing challenge that. It's so cool to talk to him. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think that... I mean, imagine if everyone... If, if, imagine if, like, 20,000 people started doing that every week to get yeah. to their certain Could games. Could it be the new way to yeah. see football games? Yeah, amazing. I love that he's um, inspired his mates as well. Um, we've got a piece on Scott coming up in the next issue of Runner's World, uh, if you want to read a little bit more about his story. I think, Ben, that... He says he's almost raised ten grand. I think in the world of football, huge wages. You know, like there's oh, players really? who are like on. They make that an hour. Make that an hour. I feel like the football world should go out and support Scott a bit more because that should be ten times actually. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it literally will cost them like nothing in on a relative scale of money that they earn. Yeah. And for a good like, and for yeah. a good cause as well, right? Yeah. Cool, that's great. Well, yeah, thanks again to Scott for uh, coming on the Runners World podcast. Uh, yeah, if you want to hear a bit more about that, we'll put some links uh, to Scott's uh, fundraising page uh, in the show notes. So there's a lovely piece in the next issue of uh, Runners World all about favourite running routes. Mm. And it's written by a writer called Liz Fraser. 
who was moving away from her home in Cambridge and she was saying goodbye to lots of things, but actually the goodbye that she underestimated was saying goodbye to her running route. Okay. I'm going to read a little bit from it. Um, what I love most about my running route is that it never lies. It can hurt, but it has also given me huge pleasure over the many years we spent together. And above all, it's always brutally honest. It will tell me if I'm running like a pig or lift my spirits <laughs> to the skies when I'm on peak form and my legs are flying along it. It's been my friend, my therapist, my running coach and my training partner. I've loved it, hated it, cursed it and then missed it when I've been away from home or injury has kept me from spending precious time with it. Everyone has their own running home. This, I realised, once the time came to leave it, is mine. And it got me thinking, mate, about kind of these running routes that that come to mean so much to us and and why perhaps we're sort of drawn to to certain routes. Do Do you have a route that you think of as your kind of running home? I live in in uh, North London, East London, North East, around sort of Stoke Newington Way. Trendy. I just, aren't I just? We're moving to Leighton soon, so I'll have to discover new ones. Maybe yeah. this is... This well, you might actually experience something what... Like, Precursor. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I, so we're, I'm lucky because I've got um, a lot of the, the, the Lee Valley. So oh, yeah. the canal yeah. and um, all of that sort of Victoria Park and around and then like the flats and yeah. um, marshes and all the sort of like the Olympic Park and, and all those bits. Um, and I've I've done... Whenever I've been doing long runs and stuff like that, those have been my route. And I, yeah, they're, they're, that would be, I would say those those areas, yeah. my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You? I actually think that mine wouldn't be from my home, actually. It's weird one. I got really um, kind of obsessed by the North Downs, actually, North Downs Way. And there's a lovely little stretch from Guildford to Box Hill. It's about 14 miles. Quite lumpy, but mm. like takes in lovely stuff. There's like St. Martha's Church and there's like a little brewery actually if you're not too bothered about your time Trendy. you can sort of you can squeeze off and sort of run past some pheasants on your way there sure. um, have a, have a have a third of pale yeah and I've, i must have run it ben like 30 or 40 times ah, so you have to get that's there. quite that, that's still quite a low number for to 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 give it the credit of like yeah but i'm getting a train i'm getting a train yeah, so out to Guildford, and i'm getting a train back from box hill so it's taking like yeah. a long part of the day i've done it with um to my best mates my wife uh and it's and it's some and i never actually get bored of it and it's kind of weird i don't think oh here i am again it's, it seems to something about trails maybe that change with the season so you no, don't see it I, I if you so where my mum and dad live in north wiltshire yeah i've got like 100 percent favorite routes yeah like and i will they're, they're my go-to and that's like you, i seek solace in those trails yeah yeah. yeah 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 exactly very very different to running on on high streets i think you kind of come back feeling replenished in some ways yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure everyone's got a, a running route story, and it'd be really interesting to know um, what the listeners is. So, if you uh, if you want to share your favourite running route with us, let us know. And we'll, we'll read it out in a in a future episode. Have you? Have you, you know? I mean, I reckon people must have like begun huge journeys on on set routes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Met, met partners. Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. form, formulated business plans which have changed their lives. All those thoughts you have on your favourite yeah, running exactly. route. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Our first guest is runner and rapper Max Owen, a.k.a. Linguistics. His new EP, Self-Medicated, includes a track called Run, which discusses how running has helped to improve his mental health. Max joins us in the studio. Welcome, Max. Hi, guys. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Very well. Mate, thanks very much for coming on. Um, Pleasure. Recreational running isn't a subject that features in lots of hip-hop songs. No. But you were moved to write a song about it, but why? 
Um, running, oh, I love running basically. Um, and for sort of the last kind of five, six years, it was a really big part of my life. Um, kind of was a, a form of, I suppose, self-medication that I used mm. to help deal with my kind of issues with depression and anxiety. And yeah, it just became a really big part of my life. And I found a real amazing community around it. And that kind of just inspired me to write, um, write a song. It wasn't something that I kind of sat down and was like, I'm going to write a song about running. It just kind of, I yeah, it just kind of happened. And yeah. then I was like, oh, this is about something that I really love. This is great. Yeah. Um, all right, before we go any further, I think we should just listen to Run. And we'll listen to that now and then we can all celebrate afterwards. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds right. good. Come and join me as I'm on top of the city, admiring the skyline. Light shine, no one about, just me and my mind. This bright mind that's only getting better like a fine wine. Words are signals you can connect with rhyming Wi-Fi. Yeah, the flow's coming like it's 9-5 Before Facebook replaced real-life timelines Watching clouds pass, that's real-life time flying Look carefully enough, you'd be surprised what you might find Yeah, they're scared to try it and fell Started running for help and ended up finding myself Had a cold heart, but put ice next to fire it melts And warm hearts do the same, that's what I did and well Right now I feel free and not confined to myself I'm just following the dots like someone's writing in braille I run with family, I decide if you're riding as well I learned I'd only want my family by my side if I fell Yeah, our imperfections are what makes us amazing That moment you admit them to yourself and you change them That's you being your best, that's what everyone prays No matter how tired we get, still we pick up the pace Cause yeah, they say the past is the past, ain't no changing that The gift of time's precious, ain't no way I'm wasting that Time gets wasted on a daily basis and we fade with that But spending with the people you love, it feels like you gain it back Run Terrible. Terrible music. What was that? What was that? I can't believe we had you on. Oh, God. <laughs> that was Run, everybody. That was great. Actually, yeah. I really enjoyed that. I mean, you reference it in, in, in the track Run. You started running for health and ended up finding myself. Mm. So was it sort of more just the self-discovery of like kind of like finding a... You know, yeah, a... yeah. I mean, it, it was more like... It, I started running just from that little bit, but through that, that was like the start of, you know, eventually I then ran, um, I did a half marathon, then I did London Marathon, then through that I found Rundem Crew, which has been just an unbelievable um, help for me, um, and just a great group of people and a great community. And so it's, that, that line specifically is based around, you know, th that Rundem Crew really did help me find myself. I learned a lot about myself through the people I met and through the experiences I had with those people. Um, so that line is specific to to Rundem. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what that's what oh, that nice. about. It's quite funny because I remember you speaking to me before about how you first sort of encountered Rundem Crew, which yeah. was sort of mile twenty one, a kind of low point in the marathon for most people, yeah. and they have that cheering section out. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was amazing. I I was um, I was I kind of not in the best of shape before I ran a marathon. I got a last minute place and I wasn't wasn't doing too well, um, kind of health wise. And but I said, you know, I'm going to do it. And I kind of went in there with not a lot of training. I I hadn't run, I, I wasn't running a lot. And I got to mile 21 and I was feeling absolutely dead, as most people yeah. kind of are. Yeah. And I, di I didn't know about Run Them Crew at this point. And as you run through mile 21, they have a huge, huge cheer, cheer zone for anyone who doesn't know. It's absolutely amazing. 
Um, they've got like confetti cannons and just hundreds of people up and down, up and down the side of the road going absolutely mental. Yeah. Um, so I remember just kind of seeing the Rundem crew kind of spray tag on the floor, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" Because my head was kind of down. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, "Oh, just get me through the last six miles, or whatever." Uh, and then yeah, I kind of looked my head up and just saw all these people just going, "Come on, Max!" Because you've got a name on there, so they all know. Like everyone's cheering yeah. your name. Like, Come on, you can do. Selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I was just like, right, remember that. You know, just make sure you remember Run Them Crew and just say thank you. So yeah. kind of a few days later after I'd recovered um, and my legs were feeling kind of walkable on, I uh, yeah, I sent, I think it was a tweet, um, and just said, I'll oh, big up, you know, big up Run Them Crew, like you lot my 21, and kind of got me through. And Charlie Dark, who um, who runs it all, who's an absolute legend, um, he tweeted me back, I think, and said, "Oh, like we've got a couple of people in the crew who kind of know who you are through yeah. like the the music side of stuff. Feel free to come down." Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I was like, "Sweet." Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. I was actually kind of a bit nervous about going down at first, but my mates in um, a kind of shoot off of Random called Swim Dem. Okay, and he kind of was like, "Max, this is going to be really good for you. Like, you need to go. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be great for you." And I'm so glad I did. It was it was amazing. Yeah. It was a great experience. Was there something about kind of? Um that kind of collective thing that was more healing for you than just going running on your own? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd never... I don't think I'd ever... I'd never run before with anyone. Um, so 
kind of just being as part part of a, a group while running and not just doing it with headphones yeah. in. And also, it was a different place. I was kind of used to just running through um, running through parks and stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas Rundem was kind of you know straight down the South Bank through the city at night. And yeah. That's what I love about London. So it yeah. kind of encapsulated all, all of the things I love um, about the city. Why did you decide to call the EP self-medicated? Was it a kind of reference to how running had helped you on that kind of healing process? Yeah, it's, I suppose it was self-medicated kind of came from there's, there's kind of healthy ways to self-medicate and kind of unhealthy ways. I've yeah. kind of dabbled in both of them. Right, yeah. uh, running, was, running was one of the better ones. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of how that name came out, name, name came about. It was written over quite a long period of time. It was kind of... Over two years, where I was really, I had loads of ups and downs, and was struggling with loads of stuff, mm. um, and that was, and yeah, kind of that's what kind of how the name kind of came about, yeah. of kind of how I got myself through it in various ways. Yeah. How would you sort of advise? What was the turning point for you in terms of like the bad self medicating, and then the realizing that the good self, you know, like. In, if someone came to you and said, you know, like, would you just be like, go for a run, or how would you? No, I would say, I mean, for me, it was like I got to a point where it was like, look, do you want to? Do you really want to be here anymore, mm. or do you just want to leave? Do you want to go? Um, and that that really scared me. And I remember coming, kind of, I had a bit of a mad weekend, and I came to a realization. I, you know, I, I, pretty, I scared myself really. I scared myself into it, and I kind of realized I was like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to die. I want to be here. Mm. Um, how do I? How do I kind of sort this out and mm. sort sort what's been going on in my head out? And I just I was at my mum's. I went downstairs one morning and I just said, "Can I please have some help? I really I'm struggling." Um, yeah. And my mum and my sister were there, and they kind of I was lucky. I got you know I got I got help very quickly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was kind of the that was the turning point for me where I kind of I, I stopped I stopped kind of a lot of lot of the bad things I was doing. And just yeah, kind of started a, a new path to kind of getting myself yeah. getting myself straight. And that was that was a month before I ran the marathon. Right. And all wow. that stuff was happening. Yeah. So it was wow. all all of this stuff <laughs> happened in a very short space of time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think you know having having the kind of community around Rundem and the support of all my friends collectively yeah. was just exactly what I needed. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have been able to do it without it. Mm. Um, so for me, yeah, I think I. It's always. I never really want. It's hard to like like offer advice to people because what yeah. people need are different things. Yeah. I needed. I needed to feel like I was. I had support there, yeah. and that I was doing okay in life in general, and kind of feel like I was moving forward and being the person who I wanted to be, not the person who I didn't want to be. Mm. Um, and those were the things were, that kind of helped me helped me think that. But I mean, and I went to. I spoke to therapists. I, I spoke to you know various people. Yeah. So there's lots of kind of options. Yeah. Um, but I think the first thing is just re- being able to feel like you can reach out. I yeah. think that's the. I think that's key. one of the main things. That yeah, we've, we've come across when we've we've discussed mental health and running and the benefits and stuff. But it, it's it's the crucial communication it's that talk to someone it's that sure. like you know and i think predominantly with men as well we find that, 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 that discussing the topic of mental health is kind of like a you know something that you don't do it's kind yeah. of yeah you know there's that sort of element to it all mm, yeah i think like the, you know the, the phrase of man up and sort of all that stuff yeah. it's kind of i think it's i hope i like to think it's becoming a thing of the past i mean i know there's still kind of a lot of kind of tox- toxic masculinity is is kind of still still about um but it's yeah, it's kind of. I like to think it's you know there's there's more people yeah. that are speaking out about it. I mean, yeah. certainly from my experience from circles that I I kind of work in and move yeah. move around in, you know, there's lots of male 
you know, males all, all kind of talking about what they've been through and sharing their experiences, which I think is is really important. Yeah, it's super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, do you get people now kind of coming up to you and saying, "Oh, I'm I'm thinking about taking up running," and are you kind of asked for advice by people who might not otherwise have sort of thought about running as a? Yeah, definitely. There's there's people who um, I get messages all the time on kind of like social media and or even at shows, people come up to me and just be like, "Man, I love how much you love running." Like, yeah, right, um, right. You know, I really want to start, but I don't think you know, I don't think I can do it because I go out and do this at the weekends or mm. do whatever I smoke or something like that. It's just like, mate, just do it. Like, mm. just you go out and just just do it. I think there's. There's that kind of, there's that thing in running where people feel like they can't do it because they're not going to be as fast as yeah, someone, or they're yeah, not, you know. And yeah. I was the same. I was always like, I'm not a runner. Like I'm not that. Cause yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyone can be a runner, mm. um, and that's one thing that Rundem really showed me was, you know, there's people there, all shapes, all sizes, all speeds, yeah. from all different backgrounds, and it really is for everyone. And that's what whenever I say to my friends, they always ask me about Rundem, and whenever. And then they say to me, like, oh, you know, I'd love to do it. It's like, yeah. you can literally just go and do it. Yeah. And, they're like, and they're like, they're like, yeah, but no, I'm not fast enough. It's like, it's not about speed. Yeah. It's really not. Like, yeah. And you know, especially like crew cultures, you know, for me, it's, you know, for a lot of people, they, they kind of get put off by it because it's like, oh, is it, you know, am I going to be good enough? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can go as far as, you know. Yeah. I took a friend of mine to run them the other week, actually, and he, um, uh, and he th- th- he was the classic like oh, I don't know I don't know how fast I'm gonna go or how far I'm gonna go yeah. I was like mate it doesn't literally does not matter yeah. I'm gonna I'll be I'll run with you no matter yeah. what and we all ended up running together and he was like that really wasn't that bad I'm interested in whether you listen to music when you run because yeah. a lot of people do but is that something that you try and get away from maybe I I used to when I first started I used to listen to music um, just just for pace really yeah like, drum and bass is kind of 170 oh, yeah, 170 BPM like, that's what I used to always just 100 and get that cadence perfect right. it's it's literally it's perfect for it um, so I used to listen to um, uh, quite often I listened to a DJ world which called Friction he had a Radio One show yeah. so I used to that's how I used to catch up it's three hours three hours ish two hours long I think Ooh, can't remember um, but yeah just used to kind of listen to that and that was that was what I listened to. Um, so yeah, I used to, and then when I when I started running with Rundem, you because obviously you're not you're not allowed to listen to music when you run because it's all about talking. And yeah, yeah. So you can't just stick your headphones <laughs> yeah. in and go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a bit rude. Who's a, uh, who's a really anti-social guy with the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With yeah. headphones? But... <laughs> I did kind of get there, and I was like, but I really want to listen to music. But it's like <laughs> you know you don't need it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when I started running without. Um, running without music with them, I kind of started running on my own without music yeah. a few times. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I found it... Be- I, I, it, was, it was different, but I did find it better. And I, it was a different kind of feeling in your brain. You kind of go mm. to a different place. Yeah. Um, and also, when I listen to music, um, bec- I... Because I... Look at, I suppose from... Because so, kind of, it's kind of my job. Mm. Yeah. I kind of... It's, I, I can't switch off from my job. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm always looking at it from like maybe like a critical, kind of analytical, or, or like you know how how can this inspire me to do something, or how can you know? Um, so I, I I started running without music to kind of just get away from that, yeah, and it really yeah. be a kind of switch switch yeah. off. Yeah, um, yeah. But I fully support the drum and bass. As, well, that's as, very as much your, that's very much your jam. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drum and bass boy. Yeah, love from, it. from back in the day. Love it, love yeah, it, yeah. love it, love it. So that was always my that was always my go to. Hundred percent. Yeah, we used to just those that would um, just whatever was was available would be the podcast or the the, the, the mix. I'd get off SoundCloud or something like that. And yeah, yeah. Where I go, yeah. Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's it's a it's a great genre of music for for exercise. Drum and yeah. bass. Yeah. Um, that's what we had a drum and bass remix of Run by Hybrid Minds. 
um, which they did a really good job on. Oh, I think so, I've heard it, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Go for a run to that. All right. That does it. <laughs> yeah, no, I will, 100%. <laughs> if people want to listen to Self-Medicated and see you live, what, what, what can they go, what can they do and where can they go? Um, Self-Medicated is on everything now, basically, I think. Uh, so Spotify, Apple Music, all these places. Yeah. Um, and live stuff, I haven't done, I'm not, I haven't done any live shows of uh, my hip-hop stuff yet. I do... Um, I work with a, a drum bass DJ, Friction, so I do a lot of touring with him. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, I haven't, yeah, I haven't done any hip hop shows yet. But next year, I've got a couple of things locked in. So, yeah, there'll be there'll be shows next year. Let us know. Which, yeah. I will. I Let will. Yeah. I'm super nervous about it. I'm not going to lie, but it's because um, it's a, it's a new thing for me. So, um, but I'm I'm really excited about it. No, that's great. Um, it'd be good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Max for coming on Absolute the podcast. So good talking to you about, about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll now exchange musical differences. Do some sort of drum and bass yeah. chat. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I can sit it out. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Cheers. Cheers thanks, thanks a lot. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Ah. Oh. No, you've had so well. We had just great people on the show so far, haven't we? I mean, we are a high caliber running podcast, Rick. I don't know why you're <laughs> even questioning the high caliber of people that we have. No, it, that was that was super interesting. Yeah, actually, I think people associate running and music so much. Mm. Um, I think that people get into running, listening to music, or they they use it so much as like the motivator and yeah, all those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. It's quite interesting to talk to someone who's a creator. Well, well yeah, a car- his car- his career is music. Yeah. And how that associates with running and just running in itself and yeah. how it helps him. Yeah, it's, I mean, great guy. Yeah, very honest, wasn't he, about yeah. his mental health stuff as well. And we talked about sort of diversity in running and mm-hmm. how, like, recreational running isn't as diverse as, as it should be. And I think it's, it's people like Max who are kind of embedded in the hip-hop community, which has a much broader diversity. They could actually maybe make a difference and get people to think, actually, you know what, I, I could be running as well. I think it's what he touches upon that, like the what people recognize recognizing themselves as runners. Yes, and yes. how that translates. So I mean, you, all it, and also talking to to Scott about you know, he's he's his few of his mates have suddenly taken up running. Yeah. And it's because you know he's doing it as the example, mm. and all of a sudden they're like, oh wait a sec, I could do that. Yeah, exactly. And it's not yeah. necessarily you know the disconnect between them and running was probably like. They saw someone out running and Completely. they went, they Completely. went, no, not for me, couldn't yeah. do that, look, too much, you know. Whereas all it takes is like that person to be a bit like, you know what, I go running, yeah. I'm not the fastest, it's not, I don't do it for speed, I don't do it for this, but I do it because it makes me feel good. Right, what have we got next, Ben? We have got, oh, a bit of chat for you. Ooh. A bit of chat. So, I've been following some of the Run Equal debate online, as I'm, I know you have. Yeah, and, well, um, we were very lucky to have Maud on one of our very first podcasts yeah possibly the first was well, the first one february podcast yeah, yeah. maud yeah. came in and we talked about cross country and yeah. its inequality and i mean the, the run equal campaign has achieved lots of stuff but um from maud's perspective it, it's slow progress um for those who don't know what it's about it's, it's a campaign that wants men and women to run the same distances at cross country um and lots of high profile runners uh, such as chrissy wellington who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast yep. sophie um sophie rayworth who's been on the podcast as well they're getting behind it and I think we so like instead of like reducing the men's race, yeah. making you know offering women a fifteen k, or you know and like doing it that way. And, right. it's, and I mean, I'm just like I don't know why it's so drawn out. I yeah. mean, it's just. But the flip side of that, though, is I've read quite a lot of weirdly. I've read well, I think weird, a lot of professionals, mm. female professional cross country athletes who've been on the side of don't change it. Yeah, that's true. And and actually, in fairness to 
lots of the governing bodies, there have been votes on this. Yeah. And there's sizable support on both sides. It, is, it isn't yeah. a clear cut. No. Everybody wants this and everyone wants that, which, which, yeah, I do think is surprising. So, you know, that's... And you have to and you have to listen to that to a certain extent. Hundred percent. But Maud uh, said that she thinks there's something in the phrasing of a lot of these questions. So, she, um, from her perspective, some of them have been asked along the lines of, "Would you like to run further across country?" Right. To which the only sane answer is no. Got because it. yeah. It's... So if you say, "Would you, you know, would you like to run an equal distance to exactly. the men?" Yeah. Yes, I would. Exactly. So you might get a very different answer. If would you, you like to be more tired at the end of your race? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not right. really. So yeah. in the phrasing, there's been uh, there's some controversy, but um. Yeah, I think we'd really like to know what, what listeners uh, think about this. So if they've got an opinion, then mm. you can uh, yeah, let us know. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. This is the Runners World Podcast. Our next guest is the world's best obstacle racer and a fine mountain runner to boot. Um, he also almost won a million dollars on the weekend. He'd, um, he'd won two of the Spartan championships in one year, and this was the final one. And the CEO of Spartan said... If anyone done that, because it was such a sort of preposterous achievement, yeah. um, that he would give them a million dollars. Unfortunately, John didn't uh, quite manage that, but he's had an absolutely spectacular year anyway. He's been winning obstacle course races, and he's kind of replicated that success at sky running in the mountains. So he's just like a fabulous all-round athlete, and he's joining us from. He also almost won a million dollars on the weekend uh, after winning uh, lots of the Spartan Championships this year. So, so John, how, how are you feeling after um, the event in Iceland? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty good. I'm uh, kind of tired, ready for an off season and to sort of uh, give up running for a little bit and uh, recharge the batteries. John, how did you um, sort of build up to this race in, in in a different way to all the others? Did you did you find additional pressure with this sort of toted financial winnings, or did you just approach it like any other any other race? Yeah, there wasn't really much chance for me to approach any differently anyway, to be honest, because I've been racing so much lately. Yeah. There wasn't even much time to train properly for it. And uh, I never, I kind of never really expected it to be possible to win a million anyway. So yeah. I could only go in just thinking, I'll go and try and have a bit of fun. If it maybe is possible, then obviously I'm going to give it 100%. But yeah. if not, I shouldn't get too bummed. Because it's an absolute... Uh, I was actually... I was actually in Malaysia last weekend to qualify for this race right. uh, in Iceland. So I had to run an, an ultra Spartan race the weekend before anyway. So not much time for training. Yeah, so the, the format's absolutely um, mad. It's, it's, it's essentially, what, 24 hours of obstacle racing and, and with the additional thing of trying to cover 100 miles. Is that right? Yeah, so it was um, six and a half mile laps in Iceland. Uh, I think it climbed 400 to 450 metres per lap wow. <laughs> uh, with 25 obstacles. Uh, half the obstacles were carrying something, three of which were really heavy, two sandbag carries and a bucket carry, which are really uh, pretty long and heavy. Yeah. Uh, and then some normal obstacles like some monkey bars and walls and things and a spear throw. <laughs> and presumably it wasn't warm either. No, it was, um, but it was actually the weather was best case scenario. It was sort of like zero, minus one, minus two, uh, not too much wind. Uh, pretty stable weather because it could have been like five degrees and absolutely howling wind. Was this a sort of natural transition for you or did someone just, you know, because you, you get into it for any other reason? No, obstacle racing actually came first before uh, mountain running or any type of running. Uh, I played skate hockey as a kid right. and quit when I was 20 and took up running to keep fit and then saw a tough guy advertised and just thought I'd give it a go. Right. Um, and then at that point, more and more obstacle races started up and I um, the wave along. 
It's funny, George, because you, you, you have this kind of attitude, and I know you called yourself the accidental athlete as well, where <laughs> it seems like something that you've just kind of followed, I guess, your love for this, and it's kind of led to a a career and a kind of, you know, like an incredible record of wins. This hasn't been a kind of grand project for you, has it? It's just kind of something that's naturally happened. No, definitely. I think I've never really had big aspirations of where I wanted to end up. So I've just followed, followed along, said yes to challenges, tried to take on whatever I could, um, given it my all and then ended up somewhere. And then that's where I've ended up kind of feels kind of natural and, and cool. So it's, um, it's been really fun. Uh, there's a real, there's been a real dirge of um, of trail runners and, and, and ultra runners um, running incredibly fast road marathons of late. Uh, is that something, John, that you'd give a go? Do you think you'd, you'd you know? Um, I have done marathons. Uh, the quickest I've done is in Bergen, which climbs at 500 meters during the course. It's right. by no means a quick, yeah, a yeah. quick course. But I think to to take 10 or 20 weeks off get a coach and specifically train for a marathon sounds pretty boring to be honest so <laughs> i don't think it's anything i'll really i'll really go go for no, but it's, it's fun just to do just to do marathons cause it's fun to like run a bit fast sometimes mm. and see the crowds and just I, i'll literally do any type of running right. it's, it's interesting because obviously you, you were you know you're, you're the best obstacle racer in the world and you have been for for lots of years but what makes you a kind of particularly interesting athlete from our perspective is that you can you can have similar success in in sky runnings this kind of um no holds barred kind of mountain running did was that something that you wanted to prove to yourself and others maybe that obstacle course racing was a serious legitimate sport that was full of good athletes like yourself yeah i think it's not it's not something that i've really purposely tried to go and do i just really enjoyed sky running because it was a really natural gnarly form of mountain running and it was sort of like the purest form of mountain running i could find but then actually going and challenging myself at the sky running it was in one way it improved me obstacle racing because if you're already pretty good at something you don't train that hard to get better mm-hmm. whereas to go to sky running and and realize i'm not actually that good at running to then try and push myself to be better at that really improved the uh, obstacle racing and then as a byproduct i guess um being able to go and beat trail runners at their own game yeah kind of did give uh, obstacle racing a bit of legitimacy because you know, for so many years people said oh it's not really a real sport. You just roll around in mud. I mean, if, if any trail runner or mountain runner wanted to go and do it, they could go and win yeah, yeah. Uh, easily. But I'm, I've tried to try and prove it the, the other way around. Yeah, no, you have. I think you've done a very good job of, of doing that, I have to say. I have to say. Do you think that OCR, um, OCR that's me t- talking the lingo there, Ben. Very good. Uh, is a good complement to running. Do you think actually it gives you this kind of rounded fitness that's useful and kind of has a good application for running? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a really cool fitness to train for. So it's a really fun fitness to train for, not just having to go and hit mileage goals, uh, not having personal bests on courses as well, because the courses are always so different. You can just always go and have fun. You don't have to bother trying to uh, be angry at yourself if you missed your PB by 10 seconds or something like that. And um, there's also nothing ever goes completely to plan in obstacle race. So you've always got rocks in your shoe or you're getting beaten up by... Um, obstacles of crawling over things, jumping over things. So everything, there's nothing that's ever sort of smooth and fine. So that means when you do go back to just doing a running race, it's like, well, what could possibly go wrong? All I have to do is run. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Compared to an obstacle race, it kind of almost <laughs> feels like cheating because all you have to do is put one foot in front of the other. You're talking about um, having a bit of downtime now. Uh, you know, enjoy the festive period. But what, what does next year look like to you? What's 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 the main goals? 
Yes, yeah, so I've got no idea. Um, I just finished, obviously, my last race of this year. Uh, when this season dragged on a bit long, longer than expected anyway. Um, so I've got to start thinking about next year, to be honest. It'll probably be much of the same, some sky running, maybe some different different races, some obstacle racing, take on some other challenges that I, I think looks fun and uh, see how it goes. Uh, so I've really got to sit down with a calendar and see see what I want to, where I want to take myself next year. It's interesting, John, with your kind of physique, I think you probably are one of the smaller obstacle racing guys. I mean, you, you put, what, what do you walk around at? Probably, what, 70 kilograms, that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm sure about 67 kilograms. Right. I hover around. So I've really been much more, much less. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of elite trail runner territory. And do you find that you're actually, that you're racing in obstacle course racing against lots of bigger blokes? And, and what do you do to compensate for that? Yeah, it really depends. I mean, some obstacle races, I'm racing at smaller people, and they're the sort of more ninja-type obstacle races with kind of more technical obstacles. And then I go and do something like a Spartan race with a lot more carrying, and a lot of the, uh, the races are a lot bigger. So it's kind of cool that I can comp- compete with all these different types of athletes and come out relatively high up. But uh, I'm not really sure why I can carry things quite so well as I can and keep up with the bigger guys, but... I put it down to the fact that I worked for FedEx when I was younger. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about this, yeah. Working for FedEx part-time, and uh, I think that really helped with the carrying of stuff. Well, because you were sort of, what, like chucking boxes around? You practically, yeah, just moving boxes. Not chucking, right? Sorry, could. no, carefully placing yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, never chucked a box in my life. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think that, 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 did, um, that did give me a bit of a base for carrying things, maybe. So it's kind of funny that... That's really funny, I, yeah. I've never had a plan with, with training or had, like, uh, I've got, like, a training ethos or a philosophy, but not got a training uh, regime or plan. Mm. But everything that's happened in my life has kind of, for some reason, prepared me for what I'm doing now. So uh, it's kind of cool that I can look back and actually think about it. Or do something like that and you run there. I kind of feel like that's a, that's a good way to get yeah, into it. definitely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you also now live in Norway, John, because you, you kind of grew up in sort of Harlow um, and then you moved over to Norway. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and maybe how that's um, helped with your, with your training? Yes, yeah, so that happened kind of randomly on its own as well. Uh, my um, girlfriend at the time was going to move back to Norway because she's Norwegian. Uh, to study her master's, and I just said, all right, I'll come. So I quit my job in uh, in London, uh, moved to Norway, and then when I got there, I didn't get a job immediately, but I trained a little bit more, and then went to the US and won the Obstacle Racing World Champs and Spartan World Champs for the for the first time. So then after that, my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, said, uh, well, instead of getting a job, why don't you just uh, run? So that's what I've been doing since as a full-time job, so... <laughs> I never really even planned to be doing this full time. It just kind of happened on its own because I moved out to moved out to Norway. Uh, but being in Norway is pretty cool. I mean, the terrain is great for for training. They've got some really good yeah. uh, gyms and places to to train in Bergen where I live. There's some really good runners as well, which is uh, really up my game because training with them or seeing how they train or how they live their lives kind of showed me how good I can be. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of good things that have come of me moving to Norway. I think. It's, <laughs> It's kind of like the next step. I don't think anyone. I mean, I, I, I struggle to think of any like professional career that's just accidentally occurred like this. I think it's it's fascinating. We were talking about um, we were talking about undiscovered talent the other day, me and Rick, and how people probably there's probably some people out there who are um, physiologically disposed to be brilliant and that never would consider going running. And you kind of your story sounds a little bit like that that you've just sort of 
you know, you've you've stumbled upon something that you're naturally very good at. I mean, I'm you know, you train very hard um, and to to be good at it. But th- there's a sort of cut off point between training very hard and physically being able to do something. Um, so it's, I think it's I think this is nice. I think maybe this is this is it. And maybe not tell people to go and as you said, go and go and explore somewhere on your own or have a little cheeky run around that might be more interesting. And maybe we'll discover some more some more talent, more, more hidden talent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the reason it's been so successful for me is the fact that I was never forced onto it as a kid. Yeah. So I, I, was, I didn't have someone say, oh, you should do this many laps at this time or you should train here like this or do this or have any coach or my dad never pushed me onto it. Yeah. So literally I just discovered it myself and really enjoyed it. Yeah. And that meant I did more of it because I enjoyed it. So naturally I did more. Yeah. And then when I got a bit overtrained or a bit injured, I didn't enjoy it as much. Then I stopped doing it as much. So yeah. naturally I just uh, trained probably the right amount. Um, but I think there is a big... It's a big patchwork to making a good athlete. Uh, it's not just being fit or having the good genes. It's like how well you travel, what you eat, how psychologically prepared you are, or how you uh, handle yourself in many different ways. So you've got all these different things that mesh together to make a good athlete. And for some reason, I've managed to try and like make the full package and even then maintain it through to being having a job and training to then being full-time yeah. because when you go full-time what you do the first thing you do is overtrain because you've got all the time in the world to train <laughs> yeah. whereas if you've got a job you, you, you can't train during the day because you've got a job whereas uh, full-time athletes if you don't have a coach it's, it's immediate any time just, just to recover yeah I think that's, that's a, a really good point John um, thank you very very much for coming on the, uh, the Runners World podcast and we're re- really interested uh, to hear about your journey into obstacle course racing and running and um yeah we look forward to sort of following uh, whatever you do next in, in 2019 no no worries uh, anytime it's been it's been fun i think we should get rick to sign up for one i bet you've never done one an obstacle race yeah uh, i have actually oh. i did a i did a tough mudder a couple of years ago there we go. actually really enjoyed it went in as a bit of a cynic but came away thinking actually it's quite good there we go perfect we've got a convert <laughs> good, good times yeah Cheers, John. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, John. All no right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, enjoy. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. For more from Runner's World, head to runnersworld.co.uk. And so that brings us to the end of this month's Runner's World podcast. I want to say a big thank you to our guests, Scott Cunliffe, Max Owen and John Alban, and to Scramble Studios Soho, where this was recorded. For more from Runner's World, why not visit our website, runnersworld.co.uk, where you'll find more news, reviews and interviews from the wide world of running. If you've liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate us uh, on iTunes. And thanks very much for listening. We will be filling your ears with noise again next month. See ya! The Runner's World podcast was recorded at Scramble Studios Soho.